Bits and Bricks. Welcome to Bits and Bricks, a podcast about all things Lego games. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at the rich 25-year history of Lego games, chat with early developers as well as seasoned studios who have all tackled the creation of video games for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the Lego Group. Today we're going to be talking about something you find in nearly every single Lego video game ever made. It's the Lego minifigure. Yes. Lots to talk about here, Brian. The first version of, I guess you could call it a minifigure. It was actually released back in 1975, but they lacked, you know, movable arms, legs, and even a face. Yikes. Yes. (laughs) What's happening there? But before that, the Lego group experimented even with different kind of Lego figures, um, which could be built with special pieces. And I guess the first modern minifigure came out in 1978 with the addition of things like arms, hands, legs, and yes, those cute little smiling faces we all know and that have just become this iconic cultural thing. Yes. And uh, over the next two decades or so, the minifigs continue to evolve, um, adding removable hair for guys, beards, you know, different body parts and and facial expressions, uh, glow-in-the-dark elements, dresses, uh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's it's amazing. And, and, And finally, in 1997, the minifig made the official leap to digital form in video games. Yes, yes they did. And and while the Lego Island video game featured the very first official digital minifigure, we both saw uh, some prior digital creations that were made a few years earlier by the Lego group uh, R&D team, SPU Darwin. Yeah. So while the minifigs continued to grow in popularity and diversity, adding things like licensed figures and double faces and even micro figures, mm-hmm. it wasn't until 2010 that the Lego group launched its popular minifigure collector's line. Uh, so I've got, Ethan, a few fun facts for you uh, that I sort of stumbled across while digging around uh, into the history uh, and popularity of the minifigure. So first off, please, did you know that there were four minifigures that were made entirely of wood created for use in the Lego Ninjago movie as props. No, I did not. Interesting fact. Yeah, and there's only four of those exist in the world. So those are obviously <laughs> highly collectible, highly sought-after minifigures. Yeah. There, there also, of course, there were, if you're a fan of Lego Star Wars, you probably know this, but there were a number of solid gold, solid silver, solid platinum, and solid bronze R2-D2 and C-3PO minifigures. I think they even had a couple uh, Boba Fett in there that were created as promotional items for a variety of Lego Star Wars celebrations over the years. But this is my favorite, my very favorite fun fact because it is crazy and it makes me so jealous that I will never own these minifigures. Um, (laughs) A trio, three minifigures, Mm -hmm. were actually launched into space uh, heading to and actually arrived at Jupiter. Hmm. They were launched back in 2011 as part of the payload of NASA's Juno spacecraft. <laughs> nice. And these three little minifigures, uh, I, I, I hear rumors actually that there are some prototypes that might exist out there, but really there's only these three in space. One is of the Roman god Jupiter, of course. Yeah. One, one is of Jupiter's wife, Juno. 
And one is of Galileo Galilei, the father of, of science, or at least many people view that, him as that. I wish I had a mini documentary of this team putting it together and, you know, just kind of riffing over what kind of minifigs should go into outer space, you know? So great. I know, and getting the green light. Can you imagine, like, yep, those are the one, boys. Send them up, you know? <laughs> Crazy. Um, all that's amazing. Let's roll back and talk a little bit about the um, digital version of the Lego minifigures. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about here, especially when it comes to all of those wonderful Lego video games. Um, we were lucky enough to chat with Lego Group Senior Design Manager Tara Wyke about all things minifigure. Um, she started out with the company back in 2009 and within a couple of years was put in charge of the minifigures collector's lineup. Um, these days, uh, she serves as sort of an in-house expert on all things minifigure, helping out teams working on everything from books and movies to theme parks and video games when it comes to the use of the minifigure. That's right. Uh, and, and in this special sort of conversation episode that we have today, yeah. we chatted with her about the massive guidelines tome that she helped create. Uh, also about how video games have helped to evolve the portrayal of the minifigure. And of course, some of her personal favorites among the hundreds of figures. When I started, I was sculpting elements, mostly for the minifigure collectibles project. Um, I'm pretty well known for, you know, having strong opinions and uh, liking to steer the direction of things. So it wasn't, it wasn't long before they put me in charge of the minifigure collectibles project, <laughs> which was um, an honor and a big responsibility. Uh, so I think it was maybe one or two years in that I became the creative lead. And so I was helping to choose the characters and decide what they looked like graphics-wise uh, and lead a team of, of designers and sculptors to kind of create the characters. And I also um, had the great privilege of working together with our uh, our now vice president, Matthew Ashton, on creating the minifigure style guide, um, what's called the Complete Minifigure Guidelines. And uh, that is a nearly 300-page Bible of how to create and represent minifigures correctly. And by virtue of working on that, I went from knowing very little to knowing everything there was to know about minifigures. So people throughout the company started to um, come to me for advice and and help when it was time to put together a new a new character for uh, for just about anything so it, it started to kind of seep beyond the the boundaries of just the collectible minifigures project and I got involved with publishing and uh, you know Legoland parks and uh, a lot with the video game department, helping them develop stuff. So, yes, large and small, I've been very involved <laughs> in minifigures <laughs> since since my inception. I want to talk real quick or ask you, when you think um, in kind of the Lego history, the minifig kind of broke out and became this massive hit um, to the point that, you know, you can walk into any Lego store now and grab a bucket of of the various, you know, elements of a minifig and put it together randomly. Um, stuff that I think as a kid I would have just loved and been doing for hours on end. Um, when do you think that was, maybe that, that point where it was clear that the minifig could be its own kind of Lego creation that you could spend hours on? Well, that's a really good question, and I think it's going to depend a lot on who you ask, because you can certainly ask legal when they trademarked it, because somebody knew what was up way back when. Yeah. Um, and 
I, I work with a ton of people who were kids in the 90s and loved, like, what was his name? Redbeard. Yeah, Captain Redbeard. Yeah. There's, like, a weird love for that. Uh, not, not weird. He's yeah. wonderful. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I don't know. There's, there seems to be a disproportionate um, affection for, for that one. So I think even some of those lines back then really captured hearts. And, yeah. you know, when I hit the ground running, Coming in here, it was it was pretty clear that minifigures were a success, and uh, I would have to credit Matthew because he was the one who it, it took some convincing uh, within the company to get them to do these blind bags because it was a different kind of offering. We'd always done boxes of bricks, yeah. and I think it was hard a hard sell even for some for some people within um, our four walls to think of the minifigure as uh, a product unto itself. But I know he had a lot of belief in it, and it certainly paid off. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say 2009 when I started, that was um, definitely when the minifigure took off. Yeah, it sure blew up. Uh, really <laughs> no, big, huge. I think you yeah. can advance it further and just, I, I really think the Lego movie, again, um, did did a lot for that uh, yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, to give it a, a, a character and a personality that everyone in the world suddenly could put a name and a face to. Emmett, you gotta stop pretending everything is awesome. It isn't. Yeah, I get it. And that's why I've cultivated a totally hard-edged side that's super tough and... Look! Look! A shooting star! Make a wish! <gasps> Whoa. No woes. Do not give her the satisfaction of woeing this. Whoa. That's even worse. Ah. Stop it. I feel like video games played a huge part in this. I look at Lego Island and, you know, you've got the Brickster and you've got Pepperoni, just these amazing minifigs, and they're really trying to bring the minifig to life. Um, and they're, I think, adhering to a lot stricter rules of movement like you talked about. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at how the movement was back in this 1997 PC CD-ROM game, and it's very different than 2005 with Lego Star Wars, for example, where all yeah. of a sudden you have your favorite you know, Star Wars yeah. minifig and they're bouncing around wielding a lightsaber and just all these things and all of a sudden this minifigure becomes an incredible play element yeah. within the Lego system. So to me, I think video games played a huge role in in allowing the minifig to come to life. Yeah, that's really true now that I think about it. And even I, who, you know, I, I claim to be not a gamer, I did play those uh, Star Wars Lego games back in the day with my yeah. husband when he needed collaboration to help solve a puzzle. So, <laughs> and I, I remember, except I think that I just wanted to keep pulling the arms off of things and playing Chewbacca because you could like pop the arms yeah. off. And I just <laughs> exactly. thought that was hilarious. So, wait, um, did you just make that sound effect that quickly? I did, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I need to hear that again. <laughs> Yeah, like wow. that. Oh, you know, there That's are certain hilarious. things you need to learn how to do as a toy designer. You you have to prove <laughs> prove a, yourself. The Chewbacca sound effect. I yeah. love that yeah. actually. That's a, yeah, and I think it's a common problem people had who played that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Street cred right there. When you enter a meeting, you do that, and everyone's like, "Okay, she's yep. the minifig yep. person. She's got this figured Chewbacca's out." Chewbacca's okay, yeah. here. Yeah. Uh. Lego Star Wars The Video Game. Rated E for everyone. The fun and the character and kind of how it's it's kind of endowing the character with this personality, yeah. I feel, really did happen in Lego Star Wars. And it was this breakout hit, too. Um, TT Games, I think, did an amazing job of— They did. It was you know, huge, yes. Yeah. 
And and I think on the tails of that, it just kept going, right? All of a sudden, yeah. every IP was open. And these very, very strong personalities in, in movies like Han Solo and, and Indiana Jones. I don't know why I'm naming all the Harrison Ford ones, but <laughs> I mean, you think about that and boy, put that on a minifig and you've got the whole story figured out from running away from rolling boulders to swinging over pits of snakes, you know, like it's yeah. it's all built in to the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you make a good point and I think you're absolutely right for, for a huge sector of our consumer base. I think those probably have a pivotal role in, in yeah, defining and bringing the minifigure to life. Do you have uh, a sort of favorite? Uh, there are, I think, uh, close to 600 out there. Was there one that really sticks out to you? Oh, well, I mean, let's see. We have a lot of stories behind the ones that we create. You know, uh, they're all real characters to us. And uh, a lot of us involved in the project like to make ones that are either ourselves or friends of ours or family. And so, I, you know, some of my favorites are ones I've made to represent my husband and my son. They've both appeared twice. Oh. Yeah, the, um, the rocket boy who was wearing a rocket costume is my son, and or it was based on my son, I should say. And the birthday boy character in the Series 18, our party series, um, was also him because he got glasses. So I had to make a new head that has had his little green glasses on. My husband was the astronaut in Series 15, and uh, it really looks like him. Um, my designer, Austin, did a great job. And he has a beard, but most astronauts don't. So we right. had to make sure our the the um, the fellow who wrote the biography for us worked in some storyline about I forget it was like he'd been out in space too long or something. <laughs> he grew a beard. I was like, it has to make sense. People are going to question why this astronaut has a beard. <laughs> and he was also the inspiration for the artist back in series four who has a little soul patch because that was what his um, his facial hair was back then. So those have a place in my heart. But, I mean, there's other characters that I, 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 there's a lot of them. It's hard to pick a favorite. Does that mean that your your husband's beard is now canon and he can't shave it? He's not allowed? Yeah, basically. Yeah, he has to get permission from the Lego group if he wants to um, change his facial hair. Yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it just means if he shaves, I have to make another uh, mini another fig figure. Right. So uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about this sort of this Lego minifig uh, Bible and, and sort of uh, more onto the topic of the digital aspect of the, the minifig. Um, obviously, digital Lego minifigures have been around for a long time. They actually predate the first video game. Uh, at, the, at the minimum, we know that one appeared back in 1994 uh, for a prototype movie pitch that uh, was done by the group that became SPU Darwin. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously, minifigs have been an enormous enormous part of video games as long as they've been around. Um, so I, I'm just curious, how involved were you in in sort of figuring out how many figures would be portrayed and act inside a video game? Well, that's a really good question because certainly minifigures were in Lego video games before my time and before we wrote the minifigure guidelines. And it was actually one of the reasons for for wanting to write those guidelines because we could see that people who were creating content for us, both within the Lego group and, and outside, were 
kind of doing so without uh, without enough guidance. And so there was a lot of really varied styles. If you look at a lot of the stuff that was being created, um, TV and video content being created, um, and certainly video game content, and even within our own house, the products that were coming out, there was less alignment um, back then. There was a lot of cool stuff going on, but we realized like, okay, this is actually, you know, the minifigure is an icon and it's a it's a trademark of our brand and we really should probably try to tighten up <laughs> what it looks like and and how it acts um so we stepped in at that point after we had made the guidelines which was 2010 we we published them and um we took a lot of inspiration from what had already actually been done and been made because in the video games we were one of the major places where the characters had started to really come to life. Um, you know, we as product designers just make the static toy and we try to fill it with as much, um, you know, story inspiration and imagination as, as we can. And we, you know, are very careful about the details, but we, we don't get to bring them to life and make them walk and talk and, and move. So a lot of that was kind of determined by by what had been tried out and and what had been done in previous games and previous videos and we kind of were able to to go through and say, "Oh, that really worked or it's cool how they can do that and let's make sure they do, you know, more of that and less of this and uh, we kind of honed the uh the look and feel and behavior of the minifigs that we that we thought was most true to the brand and to our kind of the sense of humor that we were trying to bring across uh, in bringing the characters to life. So since then, we've had um, a lot closer interaction between, I think, the product teams and um, and the game developers. And we really tried to have a close collaboration throughout the development process to make sure that what they're making is is communicating what is true to the Lego brand but still gives them the freedom they need to make an awesome game. Um, you know, sometimes some of our limitations might be too much for what they need to do for gameplay, so we're we're able to kind of sit and find the right compromise that makes everybody happy. Are there sort of uh, general uh, rules that are never broken when it comes to that? Like when if someone were to come to you and say, you know, we're working on this game uh, that's going to in- include Lego minifigures, what are sort of the sort of tentpole rules that you tell them? Well, you know, as soon as I say any hard and fast rule, I'm sure somebody's going to scramble to find an exception because that's, that's <laughs> right. how these things go, right? Um, but I think the, first and foremost, we try to be as true to the to the toy as possible. Yeah. Uh, we want whoever's interacting, you know, kid or adult, whoever's playing the game, to recognize it and have the same sort of emotional connection to the character that they would if it was a minifigure that they were holding in their hands. So uh, in in that sense, we try to maintain certainly the color palette, the graphic style, the you know, overall dimensions uh, of the of not not only the minifigure but also the other Lego pieces that are in the um, in the game. Normally, there's many components built out of uh, Lego pieces. Everything right. needs to stay the same scale. The sets and minifigures need to be able to interact with each other the way they would in in real life more or less. Um, but then, of course, the minifigures are allowed to be animated and come to life. And depending on the um, the game or the movie, we might try to adhere to a more stop-motion style that's very true to the way the character moves in reality, 
Or in other cases, you know, we need them to be able to kick sideways, which a minifigure can't do in reality. So we, ha- we, we allow some sort of more flexible animation style, uh, depending on the needs of the game and the look and feel we're trying to go for. That's interesting because uh, I know with, with all the, the interviews we've done over the past year and a half or so with folks working at the Lego group and working on Lego games, one of the things, certainly early on, one of the big things that they sort of, I think, grimaced every time they knew they had to deal with it was the fact that you couldn't sort of distort the minifig. The minifig mm. couldn't bend. You couldn't yeah. give them knees when they didn't have knees. Right. Obviously, that's a rule that sort of was established uh, prior to you starting at the Lego group, but was that something that was up for debate or discussion when you started putting together this sort of Bible? There was plenty of knees happening when we when we put the guidelines <laughs> together. So I don't know who started breaking that rule first, but it was well broken by the time I got there. In fact, we had to kind of reel it in with, um, with the squishiness in a lot of places. Right. They, they got to the point where in some areas there were so many liberties being taken that you could barely recognize that, that it really it was a minifigure anymore. The limitations of the minifigure are both part of its charm and part of its frustration as a designer. And that is true for yeah. toy designers working at the Lego Group as much as it is for digital game designers. And it's, you know, sometimes working around those those limitations are what brings out the humor that that comes across. I think, you know, nothing did it, in my opinion, nothing did it better than the Lego movie, um, you know, showing Emmett doing jumping jacks, just scissoring his legs back and forth and, you know, all the all the humor that kind of came right. out of how, how stiff he had to move. But we do we do allow for some bending, some some sort of squishiness. Again, if it if the if the gameplay requires it, we don't want to stand in the way of that. The, but ultimately, we just want to make sure it still looks like uh, it still looks like the toy. Good morning, apartment. Ready to start the day. Jumping jacks, hit them. One, two, three. I am so pumped up. Awesome. Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song. It is amazing, Tara, that you literally wrote the Bible and the book on the minifigures. And (laughs) obviously in the plastic form, there are so many very clear guidelines, like exactly mathematically where the mouth is supposed to be, um, exactly in which dimension every, you know, the proportions are just perfectly laid out. I mean, you cannot create a minifig that you know, veers from that. And obviously the moment you go digital, there's just so many variables from from the sheen to the movement yes. to the mouth uh, actually going in different places when they're talking or when, when there's sadness or emotion, the mouth won't be where it's supposed to be at that, mm-hmm. right? So there's obviously a lot you have to deal with. Are there maybe certain game developers or partners that you work with who are able to do that in the spirit of the Lego DNA, uh, better than others? They all can with more or less guidance. Um, We've had successes across the board, so it's just, actually, it's on us now. We need to update. In fact, I'm in the process of updating this guideline. It's probably going to get 100 more pages because we, back in the day, didn't have as many... um, 3D animated things going on, and now we really do, and that's where we need to have kind of the most guidance available. So certainly, I'm. I, there was a developer I recently worked with, and the first round of stuff they showed me was 
picturesque. It was beautiful. It was like better than some of the stuff that, you know, we've created in our first pass at trying to make a, a, a minifigure design. And it, it showed to me that they had absolutely studied our product very closely and were trying, really trying their best. A lot of times the struggle comes when when a developer has to interpret something that goes between our brand trademark, you know, the, the Lego minifigure and another partner that they might be working with. Right. Uh, maybe it's a superhero or, uh, you know, Jurassic Park or something like that. And they have to find the way, and this is a struggle for us internally as well, they have to find the way, okay, how do I make this thing look like both a Lego minifigure and this character from a movie? And and that's where we all struggle and, um, you know, we, we guide as best we can, but that's usually where we see the most... Um, most loops is in design is trying to figure out how to kind of scratch both of those itches at the same time. So you, um, I know that obviously you've been working with menu figures for a very long time. I, it sounds like in 2015, though, you were perhaps a little more involved or, or prior to that uh, with the development and launch of Lego minifigures online. Is, is that correct? And how did you get involved in that? Oh, yes. Uh, well, I think that had been a dream for a while. People really love the characters from Lego minifigure collectibles, but we were kind of a small product line when you compare, when you look at City and Ninjago and some of our other bigger franchises. We didn't have any television or even TV commercials to support. So we never brought our own characters to life, but people love to use them. You know, we have the hot dog guy who just will not die. He's everywhere. <laughs> and um, and and so there was, it was seen as this very ripe yeah, place that we could easily draw a big story from and create a big universe around. And so there had been a wish for a long time in our team and in the digital games team to make a game around it. And we had this opportunity to make uh, this massive multiplayer online game, Lego minifigures online, where we could, at that point, I think we were up to 12 or 13 series. uh, So multiply that by 16. A lot of characters that we could draw from uh, and bring to life. And so it was, uh, yeah, that I was very involved in that. I spent a lot of time up in Oslo uh, with the Funcom team. It was... um, a lot of work. It was a lot of fun. Hey, welcome to Lego Minifigures Online. Lego Minifigures Online is a game for Lego fans of all ages where you can play together with people from all over the world and assemble your own team of minifigures that you can bring with you on epic adventures. From rock stars to ancient warriors, there are so many minifigures to collect and build your team with. So let me ask you, what, what, what was sort of the, the hope or what were you hoping would come out of that game, you know, Lego Minifigures Online, when it launched? Well, I mean, as with anything, you kind of just hope for a little more exposure and fun and trying to just get kids to have a good time in general. I think that's that's our goal as, as designers. Yeah. But for me, it was just to show some love to these characters. And, and the thing I feel is really nice about the Minifigure Collectibles line is that it it kind of communicates to the world what how the Lego brand sees itself. That's the way I, I interpret it anyway. It's, it's a way of communicating our personality to the world, which we had done that far with, um, you know, with 2D, with the, with the graphics and with the elements we had been making and the character selection. But here we had this opportunity to show them in motion and, mm-hmm. and doing stuff. And I think the most fun we had was kind of trying to figure out which what each character's you know, default and turbo moves were going to be. And we had the chicken flinging eggs and the DJs throwing records around. And, you know, 
as a company, uh, the Lego Group tries to shy away from anything representing violence, but we knew that there had to be some level of conflict in the game. And so finding the way to make that fun and, and humorous in in a Lego brand kind of way, that was the challenge and also the super fun part of, of working with those guys on that game. So I, I know that game shut down in 2016, but uh, obviously there are still Lego video games coming out and they still feature Lego minifigures. Are there any games that are that have come out since then or are in development uh, that you could talk about, obviously, that, that you feel like are the sort of best representations of the minifigures? Or like, do you have any favorites? Oh boy. Well, I mean, having watched my son play Lego Worlds all all Christmas, that was um I I'm I'm really proud of that one too. Uh I don't want to name any names cuz to be honest, I'm not entirely certain which ones are out or not out yet. <laughs> so <laughs> right. th- that's a tough one and I don't want to put my my foot in my mouth, but I will say that there are um well, I think Lego Towers is a lot of fun and I know that one's out, but there are a lot more games coming out now that are sort of I, th- I think of it as master branded or kind of has a little mix up of, of different um, homegrown Lego minifigures in them. So it's not exclusive to the collectible minifigures line, but they've also got city characters and sometimes Ninjago characters in there. And right, right. Um, they're all looking amazing and super, super fun. I like to see that there's a deviation now in the style of gameplay, that it's not so much about people just, you know, maybe having conflict and collecting rewards for that. And, and right. most games still have some kind of problem solving or, or uh, you know, ultimate goal aspect to it. But there just seems to be a mm-hmm. little bit more just about kind of community and nuance and, and you know, building your little environment, your little worlds. And, and that appeals to me more uh, personally. But in general, I think everything coming out, I've been really impressed with so far. Yeah, it, it does appear that there are, I, I, you know, uh, Tower is a great example, and Lego Brawls is another one where— Oh, good, that one's out. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> where where it's like it's not really tied to a specific IP, and instead it's sort of celebrating minifigures, which I, yes. I'm sure you must love. I do, and it gives the sense—you know, there's a little more freedom in games like that, that we can treat it more or less like the kid's toy box. You know, when we're presenting a toy product in a box that you see on the shelf at the store, it kind of needs to tell a cohesive story. But we know, and we design for the fact that we know a kid's going to go home and and hopefully— play a lot with those bricks and that they're going to end up mixed together with their other bricks. And and we realize that there's a lot of joy that comes from that, that sort of interaction. And that's what we like to play up in the movies, in the digital games. We like to really celebrate the, you know, hey, go for it. Here's all your stuff. Do what you will. What, I'm curious. This is sort of the, maybe even the extreme opposite of something like Brawls. Uh, I was, and, and a lot of people were a huge fan of Lego Dimensions, uh, which was just packed to the ceiling with IP and all kinds of minifigs. Was that something that you uh, were involved in at all in terms of sort of minifig stuff? I had tangential involvement in that one. Um, my my colleague and good friend Dara McCabe was uh, was the design contact on that, and also one of the designers on the product itself. That was that was tied to it. Uh, that was a great game, yeah. and, and really a huge effort because to get all of those partners to to you know play nice together and and also work <laughs> in a Lego way. Yeah. I think that was a <laughs> huge puzzle for those guys to solve, and I think they did a brilliant job. I, so th- this makes me gets me thinking back to you saying that there, there were I think you said it was about 300 pages in the Bible and that you're adding more what in the world 
is being <laughs> detailed in 300. In my mind, the book oh, is wow. like, this is what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, I had the same thought too, Brian, where it's like, what are they writing? What is their, I mean, isn't it clear by now that the minifig has to look a certain way? You, you know what I mean? would think, oh my goodness, I have some examples that would give you nightmares. Uh, um, we have pages and pages about just eyebrows. <laughs> and, and and I don't want to say it's it's called a guideline and not a rule book for a reason. There there isn't a ton of stuff that is just like absolutely only do this and never do that. There's a, it's it's hey this is how we draw eyebrows you know and it, the, these are ways you can use them to make different expressions and right. here's how you know the color of an eyebrow should correlate to the hair color in this way and things like that. So just providing guidance and it's more examples that we want people to be able to draw from so that they don't have to start from scratch every time because we've made so many of these things that there's no reason to have to reinvent the wheel every time you draw a minifigure. Um, so there's, yeah, there's pages upon pages about uh, about eyebrows, about um, posing, about, oh, we have one about belly buttons. I mean, there's... <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot in there. Do many figures have belly buttons? They well, if it's appropriate, if they have an outfit or, you know, are, you know, male topless minifigures, then they they are allowed a belly button, but it is a a simple uh circle or ellipse. It is not any more detailed than that. So no idea if they're innies or outies is what you're saying. Exactly. It's- we leave that up to the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, now I know you're not directly involved now with uh, the the minifigures, uh, the blind packs, but I, I have a bunch of questions. Well, uh, several questions. Sure. Um, I, the, the chief one is, how do you guys come up with like that's a lot of minifigures? They're usually what three uh, a, a ser- or three a year, I think, and you do sixteen in each one. Like, how are, where are these ideas coming from? Well. Um- Back in the day, this was born of, and I can't lay claim to the very first series. I started working on series when they were developing series two. Right. So this came from Matthew Ashton. I mentioned him before. This was sort of his baby and a team of designers back then. It was Michael Patton. I believe Lawrence Dawes was involved. I just want to make sure I'm giving credit where credit is due. And, And it was... Just a wish to have some characters that didn't necessarily make sense or fit into one of the other sets that we would have been selling at the time. So a city set or uh, agents or, you know, something else like that. But we still thought should exist in the world. And so it, it was basically just a wish list of designers. It, it didn't come from, there was no big research uh you know, testing done to with 500 possibilities and have people... No, no, no. This was a list that we, you know, agreed upon within the team, within, with the marketers and the project managers and the designers saying, okay, these are the characters we want to make. That was how it started with the first 16 characters. And from there, we kind of hit our stride. Now, it... I don't want to say it's been easy to come up with them because, you know, I was developing this for 10 years and there were certainly some years where I would hem and haw and not really be certain about a complete lineup. But a lot of them kind of just fell into place. You know, we had a big brainstorm early on and we got hundreds of ideas from that. And I still don't think we've done all of those characters. So once we sort of had done it for a few years, 
we we hit upon not necessarily a formula, but you know, our goal with this project was to uh, first of all have something for everybody. So have something for the sporty kid, have something for, you know, the gamer, have something for the, you know, grownups too. have something for, you know, people who collect medieval soldiers and, you know, these kinds of things. Um, So we kind of hit upon, okay, we want a few, you know, everyday kind of people. We want some historical, we want some fantasy, we want some space, we want some novelty, we want some just totally silly, we want some, you know, excuse to make this this new accessory, you know, all these different things. And um, as long as it comes across as colorful and fun and there's something for everybody, and ultimately, I think their big criteria was a kid needs to be able to pick up one of these characters and say, oh, it's A, and then fill in the blank with like one or two words and, and and have everybody agree, okay, that's what that is. It's an iconic thing. It's a clown, you know, it's a firefighter. Right. And um, we're, we're still able to do it. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, <laughs> right. I, I, I don't want to say it hasn't gotten easier, but it hasn't gotten harder. Um, there's just always stuff going on or there'll be some sort of new relevant trending thing you know, that, that we, we realize we have to, there's nowhere else we could do this. We've got to do this in minifigures. I know that if you count the, I think the Midway set for Dimensions, there are, I believe, three different Lego video game minifigures. <laughs> <laughs> there's Video Game Guy and Video Game Champ. Yeah. Um, what uh, do you uh, were you involved at all in either of those? And do the you know first how those one sort of came for about? sure. And I think the second one was in when I was handing over the project. So yes, the absolutely definitely the first one. What uh, what was sort of there must have been a lot of discussion about how you in a single minifigure you you sort of portray someone who's into video games. Yeah, I think we wanted to keep it kind of um, generic's not the right word. We wanted to we we didn't want to. Uh, overly stereotype. We wanted to make it so that anybody who liked games who was a boy could relate to it, uh, more or less, you know. And I think we got a little more specific with the um, with the second one. I recall. And, and do you think I know that you all occasionally in these packs will have themes based on like Harry Potter or DC Comics. Do you do you foresee ever there being a, a release of like, just to put something out there, you know, Mario video game theme pack of minifigs or something like that? Never say never. And um, I mean, and obviously we have a relationship with them now. I don't know where, where that stands or if that's been proposed. So I, I can't, I can't possibly leak anything here because I literally don't know. <laughs> but um, I mean, listen, we'll, we consider any any partnership that makes sense that has characters that translate well into minifigure form and 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 I could see I could see how that one could could potentially work um so yeah never say never what uh, uh sort of one of my my last questions here but w- what if you were today in charge of making a minifigure game uh is there is there something that you think you would like to see it focused on or, or what what would that game do you think look like Oh my goodness! Don't ask me. I'm not a gamer um, at all. In fact, I, I try not to make a fool of myself when we go to meet new game developers, and I don't even know how to hold the controller. So, um, <laughs> I things that I would enjoy. I'd love to see like an interior design game with maybe with minifigures. I'm not sure how broad the appeal on that would be, but it would work for me. Yeah. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> no, I think anything that I think it would be really fun. I don't know. I'm just thinking off the cuff here, but 
we have so much fun designing these characters. It could be fun to have something where you could actually design design a character or see how something from the real world gets translated into minifigure form. Um, you know, that's that's where I get a lot of the joy. So I think that could be a lot of fun. So like a, an Animal Crossing uh, Lego minifigure crossover, I think would be amazing. Possibly. Just putting I it out there. I don't, I don't know about Animal Crossing, sorry. I'm- oh, you've got to play it. <laughs> it's basically, it's, it's imagine... Nintendo's version of minifigures, but you are on an island and you get to decorate and build your own house, and it's all about decorating, basically. It's Ooh, very I'm cool. sold. Yes, <laughs> but minifigures. <laughs> yeah, Terry, you would love uh, Brian's Animal Crossing basement. Uh, he's got this room full of uh, arcade and pinball machines uh, yeah. just ready to play. <laughs> It's pretty amazing. I love pinball. Like, it's funny. I just skipped over. I love pinball machines, and I was, like, pretty into Miss Pac-Man back in the day. But then I just sort of, I guess that was when I peaked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, talking to Tara, man, what a great conversation. And and just really cool to hear her experience and her knowledge about all things minifigures. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in many ways, minifigures are the embodiment of the Lego brick and, and the sense of fun and creativity it empowers. And I think, too, like nowhere is that more true and more apparent than in video games where Lego minifigures are perhaps not always, but often the character or the protagonist that a player inhabits when uh, exploring these digital worlds. I can't imagine a video game or even a Lego set without the minifig anymore. It's yeah. just so embedded and a part of, of all things Lego play and Lego DNA. I think that we see that there's obviously something timeless about the minifigure. There's just something about it, the scale, the proportions. You know, the original designer just hit on something similar to our two by four brick it just fits in the hand and connects in such a way that it just speaks to people so I don't think we're gonna we're not gonna lose the minifigure anytime soon that's for sure um whether we'll experiment with other figure types maybe I I wouldn't be surprised You know, it's nice to see how much love and care the people at the Lego group put into creating the minifigures and ensuring that they're represented correctly in books, on screens, in theme parks, and of course in video games. So the next time you watch a Lego minifigure come to life on a screen, big or small, remember Tara Wyke and all of those other minifigure wizards ensuring that knees don't bend, but arms pop off, if Chewbacca is anywhere in sight. Bits and Bricks is made possible by Lego Games. Our producer is Ronnie Scherer. Your hosts are Brian Crescente and Ethan Vincent. Episode producing and editing by Ethan Vincent. Writing by Brian Crescente. Mixing and sound design by Dan Carlisle. Original music by Peter Prima and Henrik Lidstrand from the award-winning game Lego Builder's Journey, which you can play on Apple Arcade today. We'd like to thank our participant, Tara Weick, We'd also like to acknowledge the entire LEGO Games team as well as the great folks at the LEGO Idea House for their support. For questions or comments, write us at bitsandbricks at lego.com. And as always, stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks. (laughs) 